It's, uh, it's already been good to be here, uh, and, and just wonderful, absolutely wonderful singing. And, uh, you know, I, I'll, I'll say this. Um, we can have, and I think we do have, um, let, me, let me say that, some really awesome singers, right? Well, I mean, we got some people that can sing and uh, people that can play, and I enjoy that. Uh, but if, if the Spirit of God is not in it, it's just a show. I mean, if, if, if God is, is not in our singing, uh, we might as well just pack it up, go down to Nashville, listen to some country music, and hoop and holler there, and, uh, but, but the Spirit of God's not in that, but He's in this, amen? And I enjoy that, and, and just I, I love to be in the presence of God's people, and, and the Bible says that you know uh, the, the God's people because their spirit and your spirit, you know, it'll be the same, it'll bear witness. And so I think that we've been to church today, and I, and I just it's really awesome to be here. I'm going to continue in the book of James, and, and I know some people say, well, you preached on the tongue last week, and I've actually had, get this, a wonderful thing happened since last week. Several people have walked up and said that message was for them. And I, enjoy, and I appreciate that. Now, I'm going I'm, to I'm say that I appreciate that not because you're confessing anything to me, but I appreciate that because that means that God spoke to somebody. And that means that that person heard the Word of God speak. And that's wonderful, isn't it? And that's what, that's what makes an awesome church. That's what makes a changed person is not only when they hear the Word of God, but when the Word of God speaks to them and they're willing to admit that they may have been wrong in some area, that they may need improvement in some area. And so I appreciate that. And, and again, it's not because you're confessing anything to me, but all that does is reinforces that God is doing a work here. And I appreciate that. James chapter 3. And we're going to start our reading just where we dropped off last week. We finished in, in verse 12, so we're going to pick up in verse 13. James chapter 3, verse number 13. Let's stand this morning to honor the reading of God's Word. James chapter 3, and we're going to read verses 13 through 18, continuing our journey through the book of James. If you're there, please say amen. I think everybody's there. James asked a question. He said, Who is a wise man? And endued with knowledge among you, let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. Now listen to this. Here's the message this morning. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's bow our heads this morning. Father, we come to you again. And Lord, we stand in awe that a God so holy and so powerful would look down on us and show favor. And God, we thank you for that. And Lord, we thank you for the fulfillment of the promise that the Holy Spirit would come and He would be our comforter and He would be our guide. Thank you for that this morning. 
And Lord, as we open your word and as we dive in to see what it says, to learn and to to take this to heart, God, I just pray that you would open our hearts, open our eyes, and open our ears to what you would say. God, I pray as your vessel that I could be used for your glory this morning and that everything that I would say and do would be for you. Give me clarity of mind and clarity of speech as I preach your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. When the Bible, or when God, in, in, in this case, in this case it's actually James asking the question, but I'll say this, this is always something that you can stick with in the Word of God. When God asks a question, He already knows the answer, right? I mean, God doesn't ask a question saying, okay, what can you tell me that I don't already know? And I believe that the Bible is the same way. And even though that James obviously is not God and he's not put on a a pedestal to be equal with God, I believe that the Holy Spirit inspired these men to write what these words that they wrote. And so James asked this question. He asked, he says, Who is a wise man among you? that's, That's in verse 13. Who is a wise man and endued? with knowledge among you. And he's going to answer that in in just a few minutes. So this morning, I'm I'm just going to ask this question, where are all the wise men, or where are all the wise people? Now you think of wisdom, and, and we have a lot of qualifiers, and we have a lot of things that we would say make a person wise. Now wisdom is simply this, it is the act of being wise. So I'm going to use those words interchangeably this morning, and I may define them just a little bit in a little bit more depth. But we're going to talk about wisdom, and then also just a little bit we're going to talk about foolishness. Because wisdom and foolishness, well they're opposites of each other, right? And the Bible is very clear and it's very uh, articulate about these two subjects of wisdom and foolishness. In fact, you can find some charts and it may be even in your Bible if you go to your table of contents. Don't do that right now. You will find that the Bible is broken down into several different categories. It's broken down into history and prophecy and the Gospels. But in the Old Testament, you will find five books. Those books are Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon. And the general subject or the the heading of all these books would be that they are wisdom literature. They are for you to be able to read these books and to gain things and and hopefully become better as, as a person, as an individual, and especially as a Christian. So we see that, that wisdom is simply this. It is it's being skilled in something. It's being almost an expert. Does anybody in here consider themselves wise? If you do, just raise your hand real quick. I'd like to see who you are. Nobody would say that I'm a person endued with wisdom. And, and you, the reason you wouldn't say that is because a truly wise person, first of all, shows humility. Amen? A wise person is not going to tell you how wise that they are. In fact, if they do that, if somebody says, hey, I'm wise and I've got wisdom in this certain subject, you probably ought to just cut them off right there and move along because they're probably not as wise as they think they are. In fact, the Bible says in the book of Proverbs that the fool is wise in his own conceits. So nobody openly would admit, hopefully, yes, I am a wise person. But I would go and and go on to say that I believe that there are many wise people and people that are endued with wisdom among us. So what makes a wise person? 
We ask that question and, and we all have sort of this idea of what makes somebody wise or what gives somebody wisdom. But I promise you that the Bible also has what, is, what truly makes a wise person. And I don't really have time to unpack everything. I really don't. Like I said, there's five books of the Bible written on this subject. If I preached on that today, it would take me, you know, at le- I mean, we've been in James for how many weeks now? Could you imagine me preaching five books? That'd take about ten years, wouldn't it? So anyways, I won't get into that. But there's several things that the Bible says. And he says this, who is a wise man among you? And then he says, and endued with knowledge. So the first thing that we usually automatically associate with wisdom is knowledge, right? You think that somebody that knows a lot must be a wise person. And as I studied that out and I prayed about it this week, I was thinking, Lord, how do we approach this that that wisdom and knowledge are not necessarily the same thing. They're not, they're not synonymous. A person can have lots of knowledge and not be wise at all. And then I thought about, and, and I believe that God put this, this name in my mind. I, I, used, I used to read a lot and, and study a lot of, of various things. And my wife will tell you that I'm an encyclopedia of useless knowledge. Like, I'm really good at quiz games and and random trivia. And I'm not saying I'm wise. I'm just saying that my brain is wired to just pick up stuff. And I remember a friend of mine one time, a, a, a very smart person, told me about this man named Neil deGrasse Tyson. Anybody ever heard of him? Anybody ever heard that name at all? A few of you have. Andrew has, and maybe some folks have heard of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Tyson. This man has an IQ somewhere in the mid-100s, maybe 140 or 150. Now, my IQ is, is and your IQ is probably not, uh, you know, much above 100 or maybe floating around 90 or 100. So what I'm saying is that this guy is essentially a genius. He has a bachelor's degree from Harvard and a doctorate degree from Columbia. And his job, get this, this sounds like the most fun job in the world to me, is he is an astrophysicist. Don't that sound like a blast? I mean, this guy walks out, and his job is to look up in the sky and look at stars and black holes and look at the solar system and look at the universe and look at all these things and study them, and then he can actually give you explanations and tell you how far all these things are. And this man is just super, super smart, full of knowledge. But then as, as I, I studied this man out, I, I would love to say that he is a Christian. But actually he's not. He's an agnostic. And the, one of the smartest people, one of the guys that, that has more knowledge than just about anybody that I could ever think of, said this right here. I'm going to read you a quote. I like quotes. Neil deGrasse Tyson says that he has absolutely no problem with God, in quotations, the the idea of God. He goes on to say that even if one day we were to, to discover God using technology, that he wouldn't have a problem with that. However, he says that there is no point of believing in God right now because there is absolutely no proof of his existence. This guy is a a genius 
literally. I mean, by, by worldly standards, Andrew, he's a genius, right? And, and Carrie will back me up on this individual. I mean, he's articulate. He has so much knowledge that it would, that it would, it, it would absolutely overwhelm us. And yet, I, as much as I hate to say, I don't know how much true wisdom and how wise this man actually must be. He can't be too wise. And, and the reason I say that is I'm not trying to be mean or be hateful towards this man because he has a soul just like everybody else. But the Bible says in the book of Psalms, wisdom literature, right? In Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, it says that the fool has said in his heart, what? That there is no God. So what is the opposite of, of being wise and being somebody that is full of wisdom? It's a foolish person. Now this man, by earthly standards, is, is, is very smart. And so we have all these qualifiers. So I'll say this, and, and I, I don't want you to take me the wrong way. I just want to clarify a few things. Number one, I'm not against education. Okay, I believe in getting a good education, sending your kids to college if they, if they will go and if they can do it. My goodness, send them to college. That's great. But, but having a great education doesn't necessarily make you a wise person. Amen? Having a bunch of knowledge, a bunch of trivia in your head and being able to answer certain questions does not make you necessarily a, a wise person. So what is the next thing? Maybe, maybe it's not book knowledge, but maybe, just maybe, we think of a wise person as an old person. You think about that. Uh, how many, I, like, I like asking questions. How many of you consider yourself old? Does anybody consider yourself to be old? A few people do, and a few of you <laughs> are not raising your hands that might ought to be. I don't know, but uh, we, the, I have figured this out. I just turned 35 about a month ago, and now I'm now considered middle-aged, and I hate that. And I would never consider myself to be middle-aged, just like people would never consider themselves to be old. And so a lot of times people automatically assume that just because somebody has some age on them and has a, a lot of uh, years behind them, more years behind them than they do before them, they must be a wise person. That's not necessarily true. I, I, I don't believe that, that that is necessarily true. Now, I believe this. I will say that most of the wise people that I do know are older people. Because I, I find that generally wisdom comes by experience. See, true wisdom is this. I'm, I'm going to throw this out there, uh, uh, how you can spot true wisdom. Wisdom is, is, is having knowledge to a certain extent. But it's knowing how to use that knowledge in a way that not only will benefit you, but it will benefit others. And in the case of, that we're talking about today, that it will glorify God ultimately. So if you want to be a wise person in the eyes of God, it's not just knowing the Bible. It's not just having this information floating around in our head and being able to, to quote some scriptures or be able to tell some Bible stories or things like that. It's not just about the knowledge in itself, but it's actually about putting that knowledge to work. Remember earlier when I was telling you a little bit about the definition of what a wise person is? The, the biblical word, not, not that anybody's ever going to remember this, but it's sophos. That is the Greek word. That is what James wrote down when he was talking about wisdom. And when he was talking about that, he was talking about somebody that, that had a trade. 
You know, at back, back in the, the times of James, everything wasn't mechanized, and, you know, and things were specialized in the sense of, you know, you had stonemasons, you had carpenters, you had people had different trades. They had, you had people that spun your wool and made your clothes, and you had, I mean, and, and so he's talking about these artificers or these people that know how to do something, and it wasn't just about knowledge, it wasn't just about knowing how to do it, but it was actually about doing something. So again, I'll read the question, and, and in light of everything that I've said, and don't worry, this isn't the end of the message. I know some of you think I'm winding down, but I'm just getting started. Verse 13 says, Who is a wise man and endued with knowledge among you? And then he doesn't just stop there. He could ask that question and just, and just leave it there. But then it goes on to say, Let him show out of a good conversation that means by living a good life, His works with meekness of wisdom. And then in verses 14 through 16, he, he takes a little sidebar and he stops for a moment and he says, I've told you a little bit about wisdom. And he said, now I'm going to talk a little bit about foolishness. He says, but if you have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. For where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. I think that wisdom, true, godly wisdom, is a rare commodity in this day and time that we live in. Would you say amen to that? That it is, it's rare. That if you find somebody that is a wise person, I would recommend that you get their phone number. And you would latch on to them. And, and, and there's, some, there's some of those people here. I, I, I'll be honest with you. And, and I thought about you, you wise people, as I was studying my sermon. But you can tell that there's not a lot of, of, of godly wisdom in the world because really what's going on around us sounds more like verses 14, 15, and 16, right? I mean, it sounds like there's a lot of bitterness, envying, and strife, right, in the world that we live in. Bitterness is having a problem with somebody and, and being ill at them or having ill feelings towards them. And envying is, is just wanting something that everybody else has and strife. And, and it says, if you have these things, glory not. Because this kind of wisdom, it's, it's earthly wisdom. And then he goes on to say that it's, it's even devilish. See, the devil wants, to, wants people, wants, wants you even, to feel like that you're, you're wise in worldly things. And he wants to give us a, a, a false sense of, uh, of accomplishment. Because we've done a few things in our life and we've made some money and you know, we've, we've advanced in our careers. And, and the Satan wants to take that. And those, those are not bad things in their self. Amen. There's nothing wrong with having a good job. And, and if God's blessed you with a lot of money, then give to the church and praise the Lord for that. Amen. Come on. Somebody say amen right there. And, and so if God, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, if that's where your wisdom and, and where your, your satisfaction comes from, then, then you've messed up because these things are just a counterfeit for what is truly important and that is being wise 
in the Lord, having the wisdom of God. So let's move on just a, just a little bit further in the text. We're just breaking this down basically verse by verse. Verse number 17, I'm just going to read the, the first part of it there. It says, but the wisdom that is from above talks about the wisdom of God. Did you know this, that, that, that wisdom is actually a spiritual gift? That you can have the gift of wisdom. The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. He says, for, one, for to one is given by the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit, the word of wisdom. And to another, the word of knowledge by that same Spirit. So the Apostle Paul, when he's talking about the things that make up the body of Christ, and there's a lot of them, I'm not going to get too deep into that, said that some people have to be given wisdom. And God has to naturally put that on people. Have you ever, have you ever met a very wise young person? Have, has anybody ever met anybody like that? I'm not seeing any hands go up, so this is bad right here. But I think in my life I have met some, some wise, godly young people. You notice that I threw the word godly in there? Is everybody with me on that? Now earlier I said that a lot of times we consider older people to be wise and that that's where wisdom comes from because you may have gray hair, white hair, or perhaps even no hair. But that's, that's not necessarily where wisdom comes from. Wisdom that is true wisdom has to come from God. I believe that God will actually give you that wisdom. And, and I'll, I'll go as far as to say this, that I believe that you can ask God for wisdom. If you don't believe that, see, see the man named Solomon, right? He asked God for wisdom. God made him the wisest man on the earth. And then what happened to him? Well, I think he may have went a little crazy on us. But anyways, I won't get into that too deep. But God can actually give wisdom as a gift. He said in verse 13, or 17 again, But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. So wisdom is usually applied. How is this applicable? I'm going to tell you how it's applicable in your life. Is it's, it's, it shows up in the decisions that you make from day to day. Some, some of us make a lot of wise decisions and some of us make a lot of unwise decisions. And we can see that and, and we have a, a good idea of what makes a wise decision and what makes an unwise decision. And so every day that we, we wake up, we have to start making decisions. I've talked about, about that before, that, that we make major decisions, you know, like uh, life-changing decisions, whether to maybe have a kid or whether to buy a house or, or whatever it is. And then we make little tiny decisions every day like, man, what color shirt am I going to wear today? Or, or is it going to be Fruit Loops or Lucky Charms? And we make those decisions. And hopefully we make wise decisions in our life. But then you take that over into the spiritual realm and you think about the, the things that you must do as a Christian. And everybody knows what the wisest thing you could ever do is, right? Is ask Jesus to be your Savior. If, if you truly want to be a wise person, you've got to accept Christ so that God can then give you that wisdom that comes from above. You can't, I don't believe that you're qualified to have this wisdom that comes from above unless you believe in Christ as your Savior. Would you say amen to that? That you, you don't have the capacity, you don't have the, the ability to accept this gift that God is willing to give you if you're not one of his children and I want to be counted among the wise don't you 
And James asked that question, who is wise among you? And I'm going to say this, that it doesn't just have to be a select few. It doesn't just have to be, you know, one out of every 50 or one out of every 25, that we can all have the wisdom of God that He gives. So what does wisdom look like? Where does it apply in your life? As I said, it applies in your decisions. It says first that wisdom, it's a pure thing. That when you make these decisions or, or maybe when you have these thoughts, that whatever it is that you do these things and you, and you make sure that they're, they're not sinful. That there's nothing wrong. There's nothing against the, the Bible and what the Word of God says. And, and whatever that you do, if, if you do it without sin and you make that conscious decision not to sin, then guess what? You're a wise person. You have some wisdom from above. And then he goes on to say that this wisdom from above is also peaceable. I like peace, don't you? I like, I like peaceable people. I don't like people that are, always, that are always going around looking for a fight and just, you know, just trying to stir up things. And it says that, that wisdom is peaceable peaceable I was uh when back before I were, uh, was was the pastor of this church I worked in the probation world and that's where Andrew works if you need somebody to pray for pray for that guy right there and and I met this one individual in particular and and I won't tell you his name because somebody that's watching this uh, may know him but this guy he walked into my office with his chest puffed out and his arms thrown back and and he thought he was really smart and he thought he was really wise and the whole time his whole agenda that day was to pick a fight with me not a physical fight but all he wanted to do was argue and all he wanted to do was cause trouble and he began to chew me out and tell me how bad of a person I was for, for making him uh, be on, on probation and for punishing him. And I stopped him and I said, wait a minute. I said, am I a judge? He said, no. I said, am I the jury? He said, no. I said, if you want to, we can go back to the judge and he can put you in jail instead of being on probation with me. And he said, I don't think that's a very smart thing. No wisdom in his thoughts. See, if you're not a, a peaceable person, I, I believe that God wants peace, don't you? You, you think back to the, when Jesus was born. What did the angels say when they showed up? Peace on earth, right? And goodwill towards men. That God is, wants peace. That God is a God of peace. And why is there turmoil and why is there all these envies and strifes in the world? Because sin is in the world, right? And so we as Christians should always be seeking peace. Peace with ourselves, peace with God, and, and peace among others. Always make it your point and your objective when you come either into, into the world with lost people or come into the church with godly people that you present yourself as a peaceable person. Someone that wants peace. I believe if we could get some of those people, we, we could do something. Amen? Could you say amen to that? If we could get rid of some strife and some envyings and all these things that were previously mentioned that are devilish and be peaceable amongst each other and have some wise people that God could really work. I've got to move along here. 
He goes on to say that you've got to be gentle. And that goes along with, with being peaceable. And that man that was trying to pick a fight with me, he was, he was not gentle. He, he, was, he was being rude and crude and awful. And then easy to be entreated. And then here's, here's a really good one. If you want to be a wise person, you've got to be full of mercy. You've got to be willing to give people mercy. What is, what is mercy? What is, what is it? Well, grace is God giving you something that you didn't deserve, which is salvation. But mercy is this. It is not getting what you do deserve. That's simply what mercy is. You can write that down. That's how you tell the difference in grace and mercy. And God is a God of both of those. But He said that we must be full of mercy. That we must not live our lives in a way that we're looking to, to give people what they give us. And to do to others what they've done to us. That's not the life that we should live. And that's not the attitude. And, and I, I would honestly say that if you'll find a truly wise person that has godly wisdom, they will be a person that is very, very merciful. That they don't give you what you deserve. I'll give you an example of that. If an, if an, let's say a younger man goes up to an older man to ask him for advice. And I've seen this uh, very, very many times. And, and I'll tell you an example of this in just a moment. And this, this older man sees what the younger man has done. He's made a mess of his life. Maybe he's having marriage trouble or maybe he's having financial trouble or what it is. And this young person has the, the, the courage to go to this older person and ask him what he should do. This older person, a truly wise man, will not begin to lash out at this person. They'll not begin to, to tell them what their problem is and, and, just, and just begin to chew them out. And, and they will be gentle and they will, they will give this person mercy. Because at some point in, in their life, someone gave them mercy. Back when I was a younger preacher, and some of you know this, I think I mention it about once or twice a month, I'm not, I'm not good at mercy. That, that's not my strong point, not my strong suit. Everybody knows that, right? Please, please be merciful of me and give me grace because, because I'm still working on that. But this man came to me, and, and I, was, I had just been preaching for about two or three years. And this man came to me, and... Uh, he was having some issues with depression. And uh, at, at that point, I was young, and, and uh, I mean, I wasn't, didn't have the greatest upbringing, and, you know, I wasn't loaded, but life was okay. You know, I wasn't uh, depressed about a whole lot. And this man, who was probably in his mid-40s, came up to a 20-something-year-old Seth and sat down with me and began to explain his situation, knowing that I was a preacher, Knowing that I was uh, 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 supposed to be a man of God, supposed to have wisdom, right? That's, maybe that's why he came to me. He thought I was supposed to be wise. I'm going to go ahead and give you a spoiler, spoiler alert. It wasn't very wise what I said. And he sat down and he explained all this to me. And, and I sat there for a minute. And the first thing I said, the first thing that came out of my mouth, he explained to me and, and he said, What do I need to do? And in my youthful stupidity I said you need to put your big boy britches on and go on with your life 
Now, everybody's quiet and everybody's, everybody's groaning. You know, inside you're going, man, that was the worst thing that you could have ever said to somebody. And, and I still relive, I've since apologized to that man for saying that and, and actually tried to help him work through these, these things. And, and so that was foolish. Would you say amen? And I showed no restraint and I showed no mercy for this man for something that I had never dealt with. Something that I had never went through. And I couldn't keep my mouth shut long enough to be a wise person and say, why don't you consult the Word of God or let's pray about this or, hey, I'll have to get back to you. I couldn't have done that. And so that right there proved that day that I wasn't a very wise man. And we've all done things like that. There's always, there's, everybody's had a situation in their life where we've not shown mercy, where we've not been easy to be entreated or peaceable or gentle or, or even pure. Those are the things that you're supposed to be, you know, full of mercy and all these things. But there's also a couple of things he says that you're not supposed to be or not supposed to do or have if you're to be a wise person. The first thing is you're supposed to be without partiality that you're not supposed to make any difference among people what that looks like is this that if somebody has different beliefs than you maybe maybe they don't have the the same uh, beliefs of the bible or maybe they don't they don't agree with you on some political things or or perhaps you know, they're, they're a, a different age or, or they're a different, maybe they live in a different class. Maybe you're middle class and they live in the rich class or, you're, or you live in poverty and they live in the middle class or, or perhaps they're a different race than you are. Whatever the situation or the difference is, in order to be a wise person, we must not show partiality in our lives. Would you say amen to that? You know why we're not supposed to show partiality as a wise person? Because God did not show any partiality when He saved you. He did not look at you uh, for, for what, what you believed at that time. He did not look at you for, for your customs. He didn't look at you for where you lived or anything like that. Or, or, or God is without partiality. And we as Christians are to be wise and to be without partiality. We are to take the gospel to who? The entire world. God says to be without partiality. When you're, when you're giving advice, when you're dealing with people, whatever it may be, uh, to be wise, you have to be unpartial. And then he goes on to say, and I'm almost done. And this is the big one here. He says, and without hypocrisy. Now this one hurts. You thought, you thought the, the tongue message last week stung a little? But hypocrisy, oh man, God hates hypocrisy. Did you know that? Jesus spent a whole lot of his ministry, or at least a whole lot of what was written down in, in the Gospels, he spent a whole lot of time dealing with hypocrites, didn't he? You say amen to that, Tanner? He spent a whole lot of time dealing with people that thought they were wise. Remember, remember the scribes and the Pharisees and how they had all this knowledge and all this stuff going for them and they, they thought that they were wise and people would come to them for answers and, 
and all this, and they would say one thing, but what would they do? They would live another. And they were different in their, their words versus their actions. If you really want to truly be a wise person in the eyes of God, and honestly, uh, we'll never be wise in comparison to God, right? I mean, that's a no-brainer, duh. But if you want to be wise in His eyes, you must walk what you talk. And I like this one in my case. I must practice what I preach. Amen? And hopefully you'll practice what I preach, and we'll all practice it together. But we should be without hypocrisy, without partiality, with gentleness, and all these things. If you want to be a wise person, and I do, we must live in this way. And he goes on in verse 18 and says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you again for your word. And Lord, your word never ceases to amaze me at all of the areas in my life that, that need addressing or, or need maybe some, some touch-up work or however we want to look at it. And God, sometimes I personally, and I believe we as a group collectively, can find ourselves doing things foolishly not on purpose and, and not necessarily just, just to be that way. But, but Lord, the world takes over. The, the devil, uh, he may tempt us to do so. And whatever the situation may be, God, I pray that we would be wise. And God, help us as a church to, to live the, the life of a, a wise person, peaceable and gentle and pure, and not be hypocrites. And not be partial to anybody. And I just pray that you would help us to grow in the grace and knowledge of your word. And this is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Let's all stand. Amazing Grace is hymn number 230. heads again for just a moment. Lauren's going to continue to play on the piano. I don't know this message. I understand this has been a little different than what we're used to. 
but it's still uh, something that we all need to pay attention to and, and know that, that God wants us to be wise. And, and I would encourage you, um, in order to be a wise person, in order to be a godly person, to live this life that, that John talked or James talked about, but go and continue to read and study the Word of God. Go to the book of Proverbs and read all of the situations and all of the things that it says that wise men do or wise women do, wise people do, and foolish people may do as well. And I pray that, that we would be wise towards each other. We would be peaceable and merciful towards each other and not hypocrites because God is so good and has shown so much mercy towards us and so much grace and is so good to us. That should be our prayer. Amen. Thank you for your time and attention this morning. And I appreciate you appreciate you all being here. Pray for Brother Cecil. He's uh, he, he's getting over getting over the the C word. He's he's been over it a couple of weeks, but it's still taking his energy and he's having a little trouble singing so pray for him uh, I will say this pray for uh, uh, Gene Violet the Violet family uh, they're going to bury his stepmother today and so he would I'm sure covet your prayers and that visitation starts at one and funerals at two today if you'd like to go support brother Gene I would encourage that don't forget about the sweetheart supper tonight at five o'clock we're having uh, spaghetti and I'm making shrimp alfredo, is that right? So everybody steer clear of the shrimp alfredo. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Please come. If you've not signed up, that's okay. We'll have some extra seating and extra food. But if you would like to sign up, there's still a sheet out there where you can let Lacey or Carrie Clinton know that you're going to be there. And we, we will definitely have you a seat. Looking forward to that tonight and looking forward to seeing everybody next week. And don't forget about Wednesday night service. And make sure before you leave, you grab a bulletin so you can find out what's going on around the church. Amen. So we will be dismissed, and we will part ways for just a little while. Anthony, would you dismiss us, brother?